She did not create the issues in your relationship. The lies you brought into the relationship created the issues in the relationship. Like, what's not clicking? How are you punishing somebody else for what you did? <laughs> right. And I mean, he's he's also angry. He's also, like, angry. Yeah, and, like, he's angry that she's shallow, but, like, she's always been shallow, Todd. I don't know. Like... everyone this is alex and this is M. welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary for much more exclusive content Become a show producer over on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Today we'll be discussing the back half of one of the most groundbreaking Black sitcoms, Girlfriends. Girlfriends took us through the highs and lows of a group of four very different Black women and chronicled their searches for love, purpose, career, and family. So what do we think made this series so iconic? Stay tuned. everyone if you haven't listened to part one of our girlfriends recap stop right now and go ahead and do that but if you're joining us again here are some details on girlfriends for a recap the series is classified as a sitcom it was created by mara brock akil it was released from september 11 2000 through february 11 2008 and it aired on the upn network for the first uh, six years and the CW for the last two years for a total of eight seasons and 172 episodes. The series stars Tracy Ellis Ross as Joan Carol Clayton Esquire. She is the official unofficial den mother of the group and a successful attorney. Antoinette Marie Childs Garrett by this point aka Tony. She is the cute one of the friend group and uh, the wife of Dr. Todd Garrett. Persia White as Lynn Ann Searcy. She's the bohemian of the group. She was Joan and Tony's uh, college roommate at UCLA. And she is a biracial, transracial adoptee to a white family, an artist. And she's later diagnosed as having bipolar disorder. Golden Brooks as Maya Denise Wilkes. Uh, she is a wife and mother who first starts as Joan's assistant and then becomes a best-selling self-help author. Reggie Hayes as William Jerome Dent Esquire. He is the lady's closest male friend. He has a brief hookup and marriage to Lynn. Uh, later, he is Joan's boyfriend. We're going to be talking about that. And he is a senior partner at Goldberg, Sweetelson, McDonald, and Lee. Later, he is married to Monica. 
Flex Alexander in season one and Khalil Kane in seasons two through eight as Darnell Leroy Wilkes, Maya's husband and the father of her son. Keisha Sharp as Monica Charles Brooks Dent, William's wife. Um, Tanner Scott Richards in seasons one through six and Kendra Berry in season seven and eight as Jabari Wilkes, Maya and Darnell's son. Sharman Lee as Jeanette Woods in seasons one through seven, Maya's mother. Lamont Johnson as Ronnie, Maya's cousin and hairstylist. He's the owner of Situations and Situations De. And last but not least, Sean Harrison as Peaches. He is Ronnie's boyfriend, uh, Jones' temporary assistant um, uh, at, um, at the law firm. And these are all of our major and recurring characters in these eight seasons. So let's talk about season five. At the end of season four, Joan realizes, and I use realizing loosely, very that loosely, William is the man she loves. So oh season my God. five opens with her going to go tell William that she is in love with him. This plot was cursed. Cursed. I cursed. don't like. I don't even acknowledge this. Like it happens, but I don't acknowledge it. Like at all. It's a fever dream. It is. It's a fever dream. All I'll say about it is that the worst part about it is that it seems as if the writers understand that this is dumb. And yet it keeps going. Like, there's several episodes where um, they'll say something to the effect of, where, where one of the characters will say something to the effect of, you and William being together is dumb or it's wrong or William and Joan themselves will comment on like how we're just friends. Like that's stupid. And yet it keeps going. So all I can say is that it must've been a network note. It must've been a note from the network that, Hey, William and Joan should get put together. And it was just something that like the network would not get up off of because I, cause there's too many, many things in it that, um, are self-aware from the writers. There are too many, like, at different points, too many self-aware, like, jabs that come. So let's talk about this briefly. So the late Kenny Rogers once said, you have to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, know when to run, in his <laughs> infamous song, The Gambler. And I feel like this is so applicable to this scenario because you got to know when to fold them, you guys. You knew this was trash from Jump. And the network, y'all saw the episodes. You saw the subsequent episodes. You knew it was trash, too. Don't be so committed to an idea that you will go down with a sinking ship. Don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. It hurts. And I think another reason why it sucks so hard is, is that... No, I don't have... It's just bad. No, yeah, it's just bad. There's really no explanation for why it's bad other than the show very clearly portrays um, William's personality as not being a, a, a compatible partner for any of these women. Right. And, okay, yeah, that's that's why. And that's another reason why it's bad is that it's really it was really delightful to see... Um, a true blue friendship and it's nothing but friendship between a male character and all these women. And then you just ruined it. 
For what? Like, what was the purpose? Exactly. I know you didn't get the clicks or engagements because we didn't like that either. <laughs> the didn't like audience it. did not like that. <laughs> you know what? It, William and Joan felt like what it would feel like if Will and Diane ever hooked up. It would be like, ugh. Yeah, and for clarity, you mean Will and Diane from The Good Wife? Yes. Okay. Uh, yes, I. It, it gives me this. Honestly, it almost feels worse <laughs> than that. <laughs> like... It almost feels worse. I'm not going to lie. Um, I understand the male impetus of of putting characters of the opposite sex who've known each other a long time into a friendship situation. Because let's be honest, a lot of men see a friendship with a woman as a waiting room to more, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is... If whether or not you're whether or not you're actually in the friend zone or you just believe yourself to be, you're in that zone because something in that woman knows that you're not compatible with her. And I need more women executives on board who can put this message across on screen. Because this idea that 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 William and Joan should give it a shot because they've been friends for so long is completely ludicrous. Honestly, and then and then also like the the chemistry between those actors just does not read that way, like at all, at all. Which they knew, which they knew going in, which is why you set them up as friends in the first place. <laughs> I mean, it would have been more believable if like Joan and Lynn hooked up. Like I just, yeah, that's true. Like, it's true. <laughs> I I don't it's so understand sad how true that is. There's just nothing about it that I understand. And I and I like I said, I just I don't acknowledge it. So there's that. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when TVD, that's the vampire diaries for those who are not in the that sphere, um, you know, made Stefan and Caroline Endgame. And I'm just like, why? Why? Yeah, why? So the season opens up with Joan confessing to William, trying to confess her feelings for William, but never quite reaching him. Which I feel like that's a sign <laughs> it can't it shouldn't be that hard to tell a man that you love him that's the ancestors protecting you but she ignored it because that's what joan does she likes when things are difficult um meanwhile tony and todd are separated and she tells him listen i'm pregnant and he refuses to believe that she's pregnant now him refusing to believe literally made no sense to me because tony was never framed as a liar in that relationship like, you were the one that was withholding. You're the one who she found out had a mountain of student loan debt after she said, I do. Why, so why are you treating her like she's the one that needs to earn back your trust? I think they want us to buy it because, like, Tony is, in the previous season, like, the, the like, Tony is very delusional about the upcoming divorce and subsequently him leaving her she's hyper delusional about all of it. And she pretends that like none of it's happening. So we're supposed to then believe that like her, she's lying about being pregnant. It's like a last ditch effort, which I think is kind of shitty to do to the character, but it is what it is. Yes. Let's get one thing very straight. Antoinette Marie Childs has never been thirsty for a man. Period. She she is in in the end of last season. 
Right, right, right. And that, and what I'm, this is what I'm building on your statement of this is a horrible thing to do to the character. She only oh, became this true. way literally at the end of season four. Like, let's let's think about this very, very clearly. There's no reason for Tony to fake a pregnancy. Because if he wants to leave her and she's not pregnant and there's no ties to him, that leaves things wide open for her to catch a man who's actually rich and not just faking the funk. Why would she fake a pregnancy to hold on to this man and all of his debt, especially after he's the one who exited the relationship? Like, like old Tony's pride would have never been down with that. And then it gets even worse because, shitty friend alert, all of Tony's friends also believe that she is faking her pregnancy. Even after she shows him an ultrasound. Right. Like... The whole thing was just grimy. They did this character solo. And this is when I knew. Like, I didn't have... I did not have the... The, the like, the... The, the, the vernacular to ch- fully articulate this at the time. But I knew when they the, the writing started treating Tony like this, that she was on her way out, out the show. Oh, yeah. I, I believe, yeah. That makes sense, actually, to me. Because they started just treating her really, really grimy. They made her thirsty. They made her desperate. Her friends are treating her like trash. Um, Mind you, she is very factually, factually pregnant. So um, um, her pregnancy is confirmed. Todd comes home to help care for her. um, But he's still not sure about the relationship. And I'm still like, what are you unsure about? She did not create the issues in your relationship. The lies you brought into the relationship created the issues in the relationship. Like, what's not clicking? How are you punishing somebody else for what you did? <laughs> right. And I mean, he's he's also angry. He's also, like, angry. Yeah, and, like, he's angry that she's shallow, but, like, she's always been shallow, Todd. I don't know. Like, did you... It was, like... <laughs> like, did she lie? Like, Did she lie to you? This part of her personality was always on display. Yeah, like, you sort of knew what you signed up for there. Like, I even remember having them had them having a conversation the first Valentine's Day. They were a couple. This was pre-marriage. And he got her this card that had, like, two black people on it. And she was like, that's kind of racist. Um, and then she goes on to explain that other men have done similar things to her in the past, like other non-black partners. And that she didn't care because she knew that that relationship wasn't going to last, but she would get some good jewelry that would last. So she made it very clear that the only reason she was calling him out on this was because she was actually in love with him. But the the, the Tony that wanted nice things and a comfortable life didn't get replaced by this person ever. (laughs) Right. That like never went away. That's still there. I don't know. Um, he's at the mat like honestly though I thought that this was so unrealistic at the time but as I've gotten older in my dealings with men I realize that a man really will punish a woman for something that he did wrong like he'll flip it on you for not forgiving him fast enough or not giving him the benefit of the doubt that's the only way that their egos can fully appreciate uh, the situation by making you the villain right right no like, yeah and she's not like she didn't do anything wrong and her friends behaving this way was super weird to me as well because i thought if anyone would believe tony it would be her best friend joan right no 
please. Maya's still a new friend. Um, but like, I'm honestly, like, honestly, high key, all of them should have believed her because Tony's a lot of things that she's not a liar. She's never lied to her girlfriend. She's actually more honest with them than even her partners. That's true. And that's, and, and this weird treatment of Tony will, by the, the friends, will extend into later on this season and into the next season when Tony actually has, like, the baby. Um, which is really, she's treated really, really grossly by them and, and in general. And, but we'll get to that. Um, so things that happen in season five, Joan decides she's going to open a restaurant, which, okay, I guess that felt random then. And it felt, and it was still random when I rewatched it. Right. Right. It was very random. She'd never expressed an interest prior to this. I never even really seen them sit down at a restaurant. They're always at bars and lounges, right? I've never no, seen like, the four of them like eat at a diner like on Sex in the City. <laughs> no, like they're in that restaurant like in the first season, like Davis's restaurant, right? Right. They hang out at that place, and then there's like a suit, and then when it goes left with Davis, that ends, and then there's like a sushi place that they hang out at afterwards, and then there's a new place called like Skia, S K I A, that they all hang out at. Right. And eat at all the time. But it just... But it's one thing to like eating at restaurants. It's another thing to, like, want to own and operate one. You know? Mm -hmm. And it's just, like... And it's like you said, it's not like Joan... It's not like they ever went to, like, a bunch of different places. And Joan was, like, super interested about... Like... or passionate about food in that way. It just seemed like something they kind of like made up for her. Something that would have felt, and I get it. Like she doesn't like want to be a lawyer and that makes sense, but something that would have felt more, I don't know, organic to the character would be maybe something around like hosting or like holidays, even real estate, real estate or like party planning. Party planning would have made more sense to me. Right, right. Because, like, she... Because Joan's whole thing is that, like, she's psychotic about, like, planning their holidays. Mm -hmm. Like, and, like, she's, like, always really crazy about doing the hosting and, like, what what it... How it's all going to come together. So that, like, being a professional, like, party planner would have made more sense to me for her. But, um... Sure, show. It's a restaurant. Right. Yeah. So that happens. that happens. And she needs she needs someone who can have supply enough capital, which is William, which is convenient, right? Because she's got her eye on him right now. Um, even though he's still in a back and forth with Monica. Right. Um, so that was weird. This season also, um Mai secures a book deal, uh like a uh a, a um a three book deal um via her agent but then the publishing company gets bought out and her deal's not going to happen so that becomes right. a whole thing mm-hmm. 
like and she also gets into it with her cousin ronnie because he was largely responsible for her book selling so well he was selling it at his salon situations part uh situations and situations do and he hired she hired an agent never really acknowledged him so when she got her um you know her her 25k advance he demanded 10 percent, which is only 2500 dollars, which i felt he he more than deserved but they got in a whole situation about that yeah that was so ugly because he more than deserved it like he did that he, he really should have been asking for more and it's super interesting to me how I see, and this is a pretty accurate depiction, I think, of how people will honestly take the friends and family who were in their life pre-success for granted. Um, because he was basically doing all of the work of an agent and a marketer without the pay. Without any of the pay. Like, only, it was off of nothing but his belief in her, as in, as in, the, in the essay. And... Watching that was like really, yeah, it's like you said, it's, it felt like a real honest depiction of just how people take advantage of like the friends and family in their life who really are rooting for them and, and put themselves on the line for them. Because, you know, Ronnie was out here selling the book in his salon. He was out there selling the book on the highway. He had like a marketing tie-in with like the oh hell yes weave like he had come up with all these really interesting i mean now we would like you would pay somebody to to do that like right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and not only that but we find out that he had been that he had always done maya's hair for free um since she was like a teenager and maya acts really bent out of shape at the at the very notion that she would have to pay him. And it's it's so ugly. It is. Because at the... Listen, girl, you're getting a discount. You got your hair done. You got your book marketed. You had a place to sell that book in. Because, again, it was selling at his very successful hair salons. Like, honestly, that 2500 is less than the back pay of what you owe him for your, getting your hair laid for, like, the last two decades. <laughs> right. Like, come on now. And it's so weird because this is something that people talk about all the time. Like, oh, support your family members who are in business. Support your friends who are in business. Buy their stuff. Don't ask for a discount. And I fully support that mantra. But, like, people who are in business, please value the labor of the people who are in your life who, like, who like helped you when no one else believed in you and put you on. And networked with you and mar- helped market you when nobody was checking for you. Like, please remember the little people who were really down for you when nobody knew your name. Yeah, seriously, for real. Um, it's it's yeah, it was very very cringe to watch. Um, the other thing too that um happens this season, and again, the treatment of Tony just consistently keeps getting worse. She is constantly um, dealing with morning sickness. She's concerned about weight gain. She's going through regular pregnant woman stuff. Stuff that Maya, at the very least, should understand. None of her friends really show any compassion or concern for her. It's And she's going through a divorce at the same time. Yeah, they all are sort of really flippant about it. They're just like... It's so weird, too, because they constantly accuse Tony 
of not being sensitive enough, but Tony always shows up. She's always there for them. Like, maybe the reason she's not as sensitive as you guys would want is because she knows that energy is never going to be reciprocated. Like, Tony is portrayed as the strong one and the vain one. So as a result, we should never, um, you know, she shouldn't be expect to um, be affirmed or to be helped. And it's really, really ugly to see. Um, but uh, Joan and William finally get together through the rigmarole. Um, we never wanted this. I can't stress this enough. We never wanted this. Um, th- so they go to have Valentine's Day dinner together. And then Tony, Maya, and Lynn also have Valentine's dinner together. And it's really, really interesting to see because I get it's Valentine's Day, but this is William, right? You have a friend who just lost a book deal, a friend who's de- who's dealing with a very complicated relationship with her biological father, and another friend who's pregnant and getting a divorce. Don't you think your man can wait for a little bit? Yeah. I don't know, like, if, like, all my homegirls were struggling to this extent, I don't know, like, maybe we could do something the day after. Like, Mm -hmm. I I would want to spend time with my girl (laughs) and see how she's doing. Maybe that's just me. But it is what it is. It Um, is what it is. But, yeah. season but mostly this season is a bunch of like William Joan things which I I said I'm I'm not I'm not getting into and I'm not acknowledging. So the the season ends with um Tony has the baby, right? Mhm. And Darnell and Lena are getting married, but Maya goes and crashes the wedding and is like I still love you and he's like I still love you too, girl. And he leaves Lena at the altar, which, ugh, I hate that. Girl, yeah. I mean, I hate it, but that that scene where they're running away from Lena and her play cousins was hilarious. <laughs> it was. I'm sorry. Um, it was so hilarious. But yeah, like, he came to her book signing and everything because her book deal finally went through. And it was so, it was super beautiful to watch, honestly, because him showing up at that book signing it's a huge deal in their relationship. Their relationship essentially fell apart initially because of his lack of support, right? Right. So him showing up at the book signing was a huge thing. Yeah, so for it to come together, for them to, like, reunite even amidst her success is is a big deal. Um, Lynn calls it quits with this, like, guy in the band that she was sleeping with because, like, Lynn is a musician now. And that's cool, I guess. And and that's how you know we... What's en- super interesting, though? Hold on, let's what? talk about Lynn a little bit more. Yeah. So this was a season that I learned that Lynn was not into open relationships because her character was portrayed in such a way that it was never stated, but I assumed that she would be okay with it. Same. Right? Same. But then Finn is like, I'm into open relationship, and she's like, brr? pause and she's not cool with it and this is when i see a more traditional conservative side of lynn that was honestly very surprising no that's true that's the same i i wholly concur because and i had to go back and watch previous episodes because i was like i could have sworn 
there was something in there about Lynn being, or some sort of illusion that Lynn was into, like, open relationships. But, like, no, she really is just, like, she sexually, like, experiment, like, she sexually experiments a lot, but there isn't really anything that signifies that, yeah, like, open relationships are totally her thing. Right, right. So, you know, that was definitely the audience projection. But it was interesting to see this side of her because she obviously really liked this guy. So what do you think of season five? Is it good, bad, or basic? I'm putting it at, like, basic, almost bad plus because of the William and Joan situation. (laughs) This William and Joan stuff for me was basic, but the way that Tony was treated, that's straight up bad. I'm going to have to give this season a bad, a bad, uh, plus, and the plus is only because of Maya and Darnell's storyline. That's fair. That's I think that's really fair. Um, season six. So season six is where, at least for me, the like Tony's treatment is like really, really egregious. Oh God, <laughs> it gets so much worse. It gets so much worse, and I don't know why it it happens. But season six, we pick up w- immediately with. Um, Maya and Darnell, uh, are, are, like, post running away to this wedding, and they're, like, doing it in the backseat of, like, the car, and it's, like, romantic in that way that, you know, it's, it, it just is. Um, and then Tony has the baby, and... Tony, through this whole baby, has been like, oh, this this baby is going to be a band-aid for Todd and I's relationship. And after she has the baby, she comes to the realization of, like, absolutely, we cannot be together for this child. Like, this is our my baby, and, you know, we'll figure out custody and visitation and whatever, but, like, the baby is not going to fix us. Um... And then, of course, as soon as she comes to that realization, Todd's contrary ass wants to fight the divorce. Yeah, he wants to fight the... He's like, well, no, he wants to fight the... Yeah, he wants to fight the divorce. And even worse, like... And then worse things happen, if you can even believe that. Also, there's this weird plot with, like, Lynn being a fake lesbian that also doesn't make sense to me, but we'll get into that in a minute. It felt like they were trying to spice up her character, but I'm like, that's not really necessary. She's biracial, okay? Her parents literally gave her up for adoption because uh, they were from the Old South and they couldn't see raising a kid together. Uh, She's bipolar, inherited from her birth mother. She was raised by a white family. Uh, She's a multidisciplinary artist. Like, is she not spicy enough for y'all? Exactly. Also, like, the, and then also, like, the whole, it's, the whole thing of it is, like, the gag is that, the gag is, is that, like, they're, neither of them are lesbians, but, like, that's actually, but it's, like, done in a, it's, like, that within itself is kind of, like, queerphobic. The whole thing is weirdly queerphobic. Like, it is. It's very after school, um, you know, like, let's try this like let's let's dip our toes in the water type situation and it's and it would be one thing if they had taken it seriously but they don't it's like it's for laughs and it doesn't seem appropriate and the way they got together was weird so 
and but it's the literally the only thing that redeems the storyline. So Lynn and this woman get together after um Lynn uh saves her from committing suicide. Yeah. So with that in mind, you could make a case that um it wasn't so much as an experiment. Um this person saw Lynn as a literal li- lifeline and perhaps Lynn felt obligated to be with her in order to keep her alive. I wish they would have leaned on that more because then it would have give, given credence to this quote unquote relationship. Right. Like, and I think from that, like you could, even if it's like trauma bonding and kind of fucked up, I think you could make a case for like a real romance developing out of that. Right. But okay. they didn't. It's just this weird comedic gag. Like, every time they're going to, like, have sex or um, they're going to do real relationshipy things, it's, it feels like the, it feels like the, um, oh my god, Samantha and that woman. It's worse, because at least Samantha it, and that woman had sex. <laughs> that, and, that, and that's what I was going to say. It feels like that plot, but on steroids and worse. It was. It really, really was. Like, Samantha and the woman ended simply because... I think her name was Maria. Simply because Samantha wanted some D. Not because she'd never been sexually attracted to her in the first place. Right. This was like, y'all never wanted each other in the first place. So it's very, very cringe from start to finish. It's so but let's talk about Let's talk about Tony and this baby. Season four... Season five ends with Tony giving birth to this baby. Um, and she gives birth before she's able to get in touch with Todd or any of her friends. So she's literally alone when she gives birth, which is bad enough. But the first person she calls is not the father of this child. It's her best friend, Joan, who, of course, has lost her phone and has some reason why she couldn't pick up. Mm Mm-hmm. And this sets the tone for the all of season six, where, where, uh... Joan is really checked out on their friendship. Joan is completely, yeah, Joan is completely checked out. And, and then also it's the, okay, so yeah, this, this season is particularly bad and it's really unkind to Tony in a really nasty way that I didn't understand the purpose of other than, I guess they were mad that Jill Marie Jones was leaving and thought she could, um, like get, have like a, a better career, or, like wanted to pursue film. Cause that's ultimately why Jill Marie Jones leaves is that like, she had like a burgeoning film career. She believed and she thought, and she wanted to pursue more like film roles. So Tony, so, so Tony has the baby, and she's she's essentially a single mother. Like Todd, his take his still has that job in New York, so he is across the country. She is raising this baby in LA, and she, and not only is she a single mother, she is a new mother. And being a new mother, as new mothers will tell you, is really freaking hard. And, of course, Tony, like, and Tony, like, lots of other mothers, does not, like, take to it immediately. Like, it's 
contrary to popular belief, motherhood is not some like an innate, some innate instinct thing. Like you have to learn how to be good at it. Like you have to learn. Yeah. You have to learn how to be good at it. And it can be really trying and it can be really hard in that for in the first few months or years of life, which is why in cultures that actually value children and value families, you always have tons of people who are, you have sisters, aunties, grandmothers, mothers, who usually come around, right? And mm-hmm. live with, with you know, the new mom to help her figure everything out and support her and help to take care of this baby. Right? Right. So Tony is counting on her girlfriends and she doesn't even really have them. But she is essentially, she's reacting to situations as a new mother would. And, or, and she reacts to certain situations that I think are like reasonable, like within reason in that like she, like the sleep deprivation really gets to her. Um, she immediately hires a nanny, which honestly I think is super smart. And, but Todd like, like he berates her for it and is like, Mm -hmm. Oh, well you're not a real, you're not a good mother because you hired a nanny for your child's first years of life or like first months of life, which is dumb as shit to me because that's all that rich women do all day long. Like, (laughs) right. Um, and her friends like join in on Todd's like little chorus. So like, yeah, well like you're a bad mom, Tony. And I don't understand it because everything she does is completely within reason. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go on what Todd did. Todd was wrong not to support Tony. And he tried to help her. She pushed him away. Of course, she's going to push you away. Y'all are going through a divorce. There's, but you don't stop trying to support your the person you're co-parenting with. He basically washes his hands of her, and her behavior escalates to the point where at one point she accidentally locks Morgan in their apartment. There's another time where she sends the nanny to the baby's uh, doctor's appointment. I understand frustration at these things. I would be upset by it too. But and all this time that he and Tony's friends are berating her, no one actually asks her like, "How can I help you?" Or what do you need? Um, They kind of behave as if this behavior is not a cry for help, but it's just quote unquote Tony being Tony. And what I realized from season six is that everybody in Tony's life has been conditioned to think the absolute worst of her, even though she's never given them reason to feel that way. And yes, and that's another, yeah. And that's one of the big things like, and, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's like everyone is just conditioned to think the absolute worst of her when clearly she's just a new mom in distress. Right. Like, like it's so she's obvious. Going it. <laughs> she's going through it. Like, like, and it's like, how is this Tony being Tony? Like, how does it make sense to you, Joan, that Tony's on the line? Whenever you have man problems, how does it make sense to you, Lynn, that Tony was in the middle of planning her wedding, but still went out of town with you so that you could um, go meet your birth mother? How does it make sense to you, Maya, that, you know, 
uh, Tony had her reservations about Maya at first, but Tony was the most supportive one when uh, Maya and Darnell broke up. How does it this make sense to you that someone who could do that for you would would check out on their own child unless she was actually suffering? Right, and and it's like and. Another thing that really irks me is that she's trying really hard. And like I said, the things that like you, the things that happen that um, are frustrating to me are like, you know, they are frustrating and I get why you would be frustrated by them, but she never, listen, what I think is great about Tony is like, she understood that she was getting to a place of like, of, you know, white knuckling it and and she hired the nanny, right? Like that's mm-hmm. smart. Like clearly she cares. Like, you know, and it's weird. It's just weird to, and and so all of this behavior of a mother in distress and the nanny is what pushes Todd to be like, well, she's an unfit mother and therefore I should have full custody. And then her friends back him up and it is nasty. Right. Like, even in when she starts bonding with her daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, like, she starts breastfeeding, right? Um, mm-hmm. And she ultimately does it to help her with the custody battle. Because a breastfeeding child is going to be able to spend more time with the mom. But she and Morgan actually begin to bond. And Morgan, you know, begins to accept her. But Joan doesn't approve. But it's like... Yes, she went in this with the wrong uh, uh, mindset, but there's nothing inherently harmful about breastfeeding your child. Right. You don't have to approve of her methods. And weren't you the main ones, you and the girlfriends, telling her that she needs to spend more time with her daughter? Right here. She's done it. And, <laughs> and, and it's still like it's not good for them. It's not good enough for them. And it's not enough of them... T- to like protect her from from Todd who becomes like a monster to me at least. And Todd gets so ugly so fast. Oh my god. So fast. And I it was not it was just not it. Like at all. Can we talk about why Elsa's pisses me off? Even if Todd were the absolute best person, Todd has already moved to New York by this point. Tony's still in LA. Um, her family is in Fresno and that's, you know, uh, three, four, five hours away. And that's the closest extended family that Morgan has. Now, this is a literal newborn child, a biracial child. And you're arguing that she should be given to her father, her white father to raise as the primary guardian clear across the country. Right. Like how often this is, is not a teenager. The- she's not 10. She's not even seven. She can't walk. She cannot talk. She cannot feed herself. She's still breastfeeding. And you're saying that she would be better off with the father who works full time. Right. Right. Like, is it like, what is it? Is it, is it crack? crack? Like, I don't... I don't know. 
Now, so for me, this wasn't even about saying that they thought that Todd was a more fit parent than her, because as averse as Todd was to the nanny, if he gets custody, he's going to have to hire one in New York, right? Right. It was really them showing how little they think of Tony, which was what made it so, so ugly. Honestly, they were worse than Todd in that situation. Hands down. I mean, yeah. Because he's yeah. the father. We know why he's doing this. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. like, what do you have to gain by turning against your friend in a court of law? Y'all act like she's cracked out or that she has some sort of addiction or um, that she is going to be physically abusive to that child. Like, is this real life? Right. Or that she's intentionally putting that child in danger. She accidentally lo- accidentally locked the baby in the apartment once. It's a mistake. It's Most a mistake. parents tell you they made a mistake. They turned their back really quickly. That child hit their head or fell off a stool. They forgot to strap in the child's, uh, you know, um, the child's seat in the car one time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they might have forgotten the kid's inhaler at home or something like that. It was a mistake. She made it early and she never made it again. Like, and it's literally the only mistake in the grand scheme of things, right? All the other stuff was Tony not uh, bonding in the way with her baby that her friends thought was acceptable. Right, acceptable or appropriate, which isn't really their business to determine. Right. There was literally no other incident. Off this one incident, and I feel their low opinion of her, they decided not to back her up in court. The only person who came through for her, and I used came through very loosely, was ultimately Lynn, who says, you know, uh, we're all here because we love Morgan, so we should just do what's in the best interest of the baby. Which was, like, high-key uh, 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 gate-straddling for me. <laughs> no, it's very weak. It's It's super weak. It's very weak. It was fence-straddling. We all know what it is. But... Man, can you imagine your friend? She put years into these people, decades in Joan's case. And that's how they do you? Right. I I don't blame Tony for doing what she eventually does, which is what, what the show says she does, which is move away and never speak to these people ever again. And her reasons were good. She eventually moves to New York because it's better for Morgan because her father is there. So she ultimately becomes the bigger person and decides if that's where his practices is, is, is booming because there's less competition for plastic surgeons in New York than in L.A. And I want my child to have her father in her life. I'm going to be the bigger person. Ultimately, the decision she makes is in Morgan's best interest, which is something that her friends clearly didn't think she was capable of. Right, which is... Those aren't friends. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. So I really, it's bad. <laughs> so on the on the con, on, on the not the invert, not the converse to the inverse. I don't know what I'm saying. I I don't speak words right now. But on the other hand, the other sort of big defining plot this season that's happening is the J spot is uh, failing until it's not. Until uh, William has the idea to turn it into a sports bar. 
Right. And after they sort of rebrand to become like a high-end sports bar, the restaurant becomes incredibly popular and trendy and successful. And Joan is experiencing, uh, for the first time in her life, a, a taste of celebrity. Of local, of local, like, fame and celebrity. And this matters because it, it, it will lead to the, the fracturing, the permanent fracturing of, of Joan and Tony's relationship forever. Yeah, Joan can't take accountability, Clayton. Let's talk about it. So, Tony is... It turns to Joan for support. They're in the middle of the custody suit. But Joan is something of a local celebrity now, right? Right. Um, um, and they get in a fight. And Joan accuses Tony of being jealous. And it's like, jealous of what? She didn't want to own a sports bar. She didn't. Tony never aspired to that. Of your relationship with William? It's, it's William. Nobody ever wanted William. <laughs> besides you and monica like it's the whole situation was weird because it's like i feel that that was projection high key i even though tony's in a bad place tony still got married and had a baby before her and she was jealous of tony and that's why those words came out of her mouth see i agree with that i i agree with that and i don't agree with that because i do think tony is upset that her life has fundamentally changed in a way that I don't think she ever expected. And I do think that Tony's pride did feel was wounded because Tony has always been more connected um, and popular in a way that Joan hasn't been. And, and like Tony seeing Joan's success, like she, she didn't know how to be happy for her. Like, Mm. One, she didn't know how to be happy for her because she didn't know. And then also, I think she probably also felt some resentment because whenever Tony was in a great place, like, Joan couldn't be happy for her. So it it was compounded in that way. Does that make sense? Yes, that does make sense. And I'm going to have to agree with that. Like I said on the last episode, they were doing... Issa and Molly before Issa and Molly. <laughs> they were, they were. That's why it's so tragic. But I'm not going to lie. I think that their dynamic was so much more toxic than Issa and Molly's could ever be. Their dynamic was toxic. And I will say, like, the, this, it's, this is another season where, like, the, the buildup and the eventual ending to this is, is written super well. Um, because it's all about these little things that start, like, you know, we see Tony, I mean, shout out to the, um, to the costume and hair and makeup department, because we see, even in, like, a couple of episodes before, like, we notice that Tony starts to dress, like, Tony's clothes even start to look cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like, she wears less silks and satins and, like, starts to look more like a Joan or, like, a mom. Mm. A quote-unquote mom. And Joan starts... They start dressing Joan in, like, these really, like, sort of flashy uh, L.A. clothes. They 
they sort of switch. And so you really get, and it helps because, like, you really get that sense of, like, oh, well, these women really are, like, switching sort of places. Mm-hmm. And it's it's ugly. I So it's ugly. So it all builds up to this thing where, like you said, they have that huge con- fight, confrontation, where Joan is like, you're just jealous of me. And you're jealous. Because, like, Joan buys a new Porsche, Porsche off the lot. To come pick up Tony in. But, like, Tony's pissed because she needs, like, her to carry the baby. And the baby can't fit. The baby seat can't fit in a two-person Porsche. Mm -hmm. Right. it's, like, right. And it's, like, a whole thing. And so Joan and... So they have this huge fight. And Joan is, like, well, I'll be there for your custody hearing. But that's it. After that, we're done, Tony. So the only thing I hated about the writing of this is that it made it seem that, like, Joan... Joan experiencing success, Joan, like, enjoying her success was Joan being a shitty person, which I didn't feel was fair. I don't feel like the success made Joan a shitty person, but I do think that she was low-key always a bad friend to Tony and this heightened it because in her in her success she was in a place mentally where she felt like she didn't need Tony anymore and that was the only string holding them together is that familiarity and that sense of need and that feeling that that cord was severed in that moment okay I see that I can see that um But she, but Joan, of course, on the morning of the custody hearing, or like the the night before the custody hearing, she's all set to go to this really fancy party where, and she's really excited to go to this super fancy party, which she doesn't get any, any of them into, but Tony does bring up to her, she goes, you're going to a party, but I have my custody you need to be my witness in my custody thing tomorrow. You understand that, right? And Joan is like, God, yes, Tony, of course I understand that. So Joan goes to this party where she doesn't know anyone. So she gets way too drunk. And she sees somebody she knows, but they don't give a shit about her because she she used them, essentially, to... She used them to to do to further her own career, so they don't feel too kindly to her. And the party is like a mess. She gets sloppy drunk. She passes out in like the lawn, and then wakes up the next morning on the lawn of of this party, and completely misses the custody hearing. And you know what? Here's the thing about this that really, really bothers me. When I say Joan is a bad friend, um, especially to Tony, like she's a bad friend to all of them, high key, but she's a bad friend, a worse friend to Tony. I don't even say it as her being malicious, at least not all the time. It's really a side effect of Joan being self-centered. She's a type of self-centered that the rest of them accuse Tony of being. When 
Tony had her um her her pre-marriage spa day. Joan showed up late because she was dealing with man issues. When Tony had her baby, Joan had magically lost her phone, couldn't deal because she was dealing with a man. When Tony gets on, when Joan gets on, and this is so important, she doesn't take any of her friends with her. She's trying to spread her wings and be a social butterfly and get to experience something that she probably didn't get to experience when she was younger, popularity. And in so doing, makes an ass of herself, but she also lets down the person who counted on her the most. She crossed the line. Everybody acknowledges she crossed the line because when Joan finally gets to the courthouse late, right, even Maya and Lynn aren't talking to her. Yeah, Maya and Lynn are very, very cool on her. Like, honestly, and this is just me, I know they remain friends with Joan for the duration, but, like, if I see someone do this to their very oldest friend... I'm cool on you. Because obviously I can't trust you to come through for me either. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's fair. I think that's super fair. So um, that happens. And it's. I honestly feel like this was subconscious behavior on, jo- on Joan's part. She didn't want to be there. So circumstances conspired so that she wouldn't be there. Period. And had the roles been reversed, this is something that 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 would would have been thrown in Tony's face for the duration of the series. No, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I the, agree with that. The writing and the characters are written in such a way that everybody's emotional needs matter more than Tony's. And so it's really, really ugly. Um, honestly, the only good thing that happened this season is that in episode 18, there was a backdoor uh, pilot uh, for the series The Game, the episode is also called The Game. And that's honestly the only good thing I got off this season. Season six is literally my least favorite season of all time. Yeah. So if I have to give my grade for season six. So you're you're firmly bad for season six, yeah? Girl, it's worse than bad. Hellmouth. That's my grade. Yeah, you know... I'm going to give season six a bad too. Even though I think there was some really smart, deft writing in terms of the characterizations of like when, when Joan and Tony are having their, their, their breaking apart. I do think that there were some like parts there that, that glittered, but no. Yeah. For the most part, it's, it's bad. I'm going to give it a bad too. That's my grade. Yeah, it's it was it wasn't necessary. So um, let's talk about episode. Um, excuse me, season seven, season seven. Um, that's the last time. Um, the last time we saw um, Tony is in season six. Um, yeah, like it's done. She she's tired of fighting, and she actually wants to do what's best for her child. And she realizes, Joan isn't a friend to her and Joan hasn't been a friend to her in a long time. So there's nothing really tying her to LA. So she has to do what's best for her child. Right. And she goes, cause what happens is that Todd comes to his senses literally essentially in the last hour and he drops the, he withdraws his, his, uh, 
he withdraws his uh, bid for custody. And they're like, we'll work it out among ourselves. And um, that's what they do. So Tony moves to New York uh, to be closer to Todd so that they can co-parent Morgan together. And uh, we don't even see Jill Marie Jones in the season seven premiere. Um, we just hear this information secondhand from Maya and Lynn. In fact, season seven begins with uh, Joan jogging through a a decimated New Orleans post-Katrina. Mm-hmm. And she is, you know, volunteering for Habitat for Humanity in order to, I don't know, feel better about what a shit friend she was for, to Tony. Yeah, so she she's volunteering um, to help the victims and survivors of Katrina. Of course, she meets a man there because she's always on the hunt for a man. She meets Aaron, who's a fellow volunteer who also lives in L.A. Um, and when she comes home, she wants to mend things with Maya, with Lynn, who are both so mad at her over Tony. And of course, Tony. But when she gets home, she realizes that Tony left. Tony left without a word. She's never going to see Tony again. And rather than take inventory of this, later on, we see a version of Joan who blames Tony for not wanting to stay and work it out. But it's like, so she's been trying to work th- work it out, quote unquote, with you for years now. It's been years of this shit. Right. Which <laughs> I, you would have hoped, like, she would have been more. Re- and I guess that's the final, that's the final opinion of the show, I think, and the show's writers about Tony and, and what Tony and the character and stuff that. I guess they feel that ultimately everything is Tony's fault, which sucks because I don't think that's true. Um, that's certainly not like what has been portrayed. And, and I don't know, that sucks. Yeah. And this is why, again, referencing Issa and Molly, I don't know if Issa and Molly are less toxic than Joan and Tony, but I do know that the writing is more like, I, I, and I know that uh, most people are like Team Issa, but I think the writing very fairly portrays um, each party's faults and each party's uh, communication failures. Same, I agree with that. It's very nuanced. I don't think that the writers are like anti Molly, like the way Same. that this writing felt very anti Tony. Yes, yes. Nail on the head. Nail on the head. Definitively. So, we get into season six. Joe messed up. We know that. She's constantly recovering from a mess up. But, um, William had proposed to Monica in season six, and he is immediately regretting that decision. Because it's William. It's William, right? And this this is a William pattern. He does this to every woman who he's in a serious relationship with. He gets cold feet and then he starts acting brand new. And this is something that's going to be a thorn in his relationship with Monica for the duration. It's something that actively harms their relationship. Yeah. Um, and he does have her out here looking, looking dumb a couple of times and it, and it hurts. It's really painful to watch you guys. And like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with what Keisha Sharp looks like, but if you've never seen Keisha Sharp, pause this episode, Google Keisha Sharp, K-E-E-S-H-A, and tell me that you wouldn't drink her dirty bath water. Mm, listen, and be <laughs> honest with yourself. Be honest. 
Uh, she's ridiculously, yeah, she, she's ridiculously beautiful. Um, but yeah. She can do better than William, period. (laughs) (laughs) Season seven, it's interesting, like, so Monica's here. Monica will be here for the duration of season seven and season eight. And it's clear that Monica is, like, there to fill in the Tony role, in, in a sense, but... There is, I think, a distinct energy and a, and a distinct lacking in season seven and eight without Jill Marie Jones. Yes. And, you know, we've talked about this. I definitely feel that Monica and Tony are similar personalities. They both give rich bitch energy. But Monica's not a Tony. She's not going to stand and fight and argue with you. She's going to be cool, calm, and collected. She's giving me Diane Carroll in Dynasty. And... It's clear that the the resemblance uh, personality-wise to Tony is part of the reason that Joan doesn't like her. The other part of the reason Joan doesn't like her is, you know, she had that little, that little tryst, thankfully, that ended with William. But also, I feel like Joan is one of those women that needs someone to like, that, that, needs, that needs someone to hate. In Tony, she had that. She had the ultimate frenemy. They were the best of friends when it was good, and they were the worst of enemies when it was bad, which was often. And... Rather than acknowledge um, her relationship with Tony, um, her boundaries that were crossed, mistakes that she made, um, and how she um, might have, you know, uh, did Tony wrong, she just finds a re- she just tries to find a replacement in Monica. A lot of Joan's treatment of Monica is completely uncalled for. Right. Um. Yeah. You know, Monica's not like the nicest person to them. She's rude and nasty and she's always been that way but in season seven and eight you do find a monica that i think now that she's firmly committed to being with william really does try to get along with the girls because she does understand that those are his best friends and Mm. therefore she needs to make an effort and they're not very uh becoming uh to that effort It's also revealed that part of the reason why she was never really messing with them, and let's be very clear, she was only mean and nasty to Tony, who didn't like her, to Joan, who was clearly threatened by her, and Lynn, who was default on Tony and Joan's side, right? Like, she, her reasons for disliking them didn't come in a vacuum. Um, They felt threatened by her. So she felt threatened by them or they were made insecure by her. So she was insecure by their presence. She didn't just hate them just for being, which I think is an important distinction. Right. Um, But, you know, this season, like I said, it's more. she's, She's pretty nasty to them. Like during when she's first introduced, she's like, she is really nasty to them for no reason. And it's That's definitely a, a first shot fired. Right. And I think there's, like I said, there's insecurities lingering there, right? Like, right. oh, he's got all these women in his life. I got to get them out of the way um, type situation. Um, so it was it was, it was, was really ugly. But she is actually putting forth an effort. And it's interesting that especially Joan, who's always giving an apology, who's always saying I can do better isn't really receptive, at least initially, to this change in Monica. And as I said before, Joan is a bad friend, not because she's malicious, but because she's self-centered. And this reveals itself in a a um, 
I don't want to say a passive way, but um, it reveals itself in a less incendiary way in episode three when she realizes that Maya's new house is the chill spot. And she's mad that her house is no longer the center of their friendship. Right. And her behavior is incredibly emotionally immature and entitled. Right. Right. You're right. That does like, happen. It's, it's just weird. And it's like, I thought you were trying to recover the friendship. Hmm. Right? Um, thought you were trying to be a better, better person. And I guess that's fake. Um, Lynn's music career is a thing that is still happening this season. Except she's getting much farther along. She even gets a record deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're happy for her. Um, William and Monica do eventually get married. And Joan and Aaron are together uh, and together together until she finds out that he is in the National Guard and he is being shipped back out to Afghanistan. And then it's like a whole big thing. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like manifesting basil understand this i honestly feel like jones desperation consistently manifests emotionally or physically unavailable men yeah it's a thing for her that's the one thing that's on brand for girlfriends her men are always 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 unavailable um aaron is a good guy for her he's a really good guy for her he's a good match for her um but Jones had good matches before. They were just incompatible with her, right? Like, on paper, this man looks good, but there's something about him is incompatible. She really wants to be with Aaron. More importantly, she's just ready to be married, which I think is a driving force in their relationship more than her just liking Aaron, right? Yeah. She's feeling her age, and she really, really wants to make this work. Yeah, it's like, definitely. Because I never... I will say that I think Aaron and Joan have, like, the least amount of chemistry together. Yes. But it's definitely giving me friend vibes. Like, we dated for a week in high school, but that's it. <laughs> but that's it. And But she's so desperate to get married that she just, she doesn't care. <laughs> she's beyond. She's ready to settle down. And we hate it. Hate it. Um. So, the season seven ends with Aaron doing this really big romantic proposal to Joan uh, in the back of this house that he's built for that he's built for her. And um, it's romantic. All her friends and family are there and and he proposes and she says yes. And it's, it's very sweet. Yeah, it is very sweet. The whole thing's like a dream. But like, so tell me I'm not the only one who thought like that should have been Brock. I mean, she literally kisses Brock earlier in two episodes earlier. Yeah, because that's her soulmate. (laughs) And it's goofy. It just feels goofy, honestly. Yeah. um, But remember, Joan proposed to him, too. Right. 
Like he he proposed to Joan after Joan proposed to him. And ladies, y'all know how I feel about that. You better go mop the ocean before you propose to that man. Um, she really bungled this. She really, really bungled this. So, uh, she, she goes to Brock who tells her he made a, made a mistake in letting her go and he wants to marry her now. So she decides to go away with, uh, Brock to Catalina Island for the weekend, um, until Maya and Lynn like run interference essentially. So <laughs> that's how season seven ends. You guys, Joan's life is still in shambles. Um, but she, I mean, she's in, in shambles, but I guess she's engaged now, so it's okay. Uh, so yeah, we pick up, we pick up with season eight with Lynn in this band again. Why do they keep convincing us that Lynn can sing? Does like that actress actually sing? Yeah, Persia White called herself a singer for a minute, girl. Girl, child, I guess. I'm not. That's a, I mean, that's a decision. Right, that's a choice. Um, um, she grown. She can make decisions. <laughs> she can make right. She can make decisions. She can make choices. I'm not gonna come in between them. Uh, but yeah. So Aaron and Joan are together, although they're like fighting. Wait, what's your grade on season seven? Good, oh, bad, or basic? It's basic. Um, honestly, yeah, I'm gonna give it, like, a basic minus. Um, the Monica storyline was, like, really, like, lackluster to me. Williams irritating as all hell. Lynn being a singer was <laughs> weak. Um, I'm just glad that Tony's no longer here to be, like, bullied by the writers. <laughs> honestly. So I'm giving it a basic minus. Yeah, like, like I said, Jill Marie Jones brought, like, a certain snappy, like, energy and I get, or I don't know, maybe the show, this is also season eight, season seven is also where the show is trying to, I think, cross over to be a bit more dramatic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's still laugh tracks, but there's way less than there was before. Right. Um, but it can't find, in, in these stories, the show can't find its dramatic footing. It can't. And I think it's because none of the other actors have that chemistry with each other. When um, Chase Ellis Ross and Jill Marie Jones are on screen together, the tension is palpable. I don't know if there's something going on behind the screens or if they're just that professional. But nobody else has that dramatic energy among them. Right. And and I think it's that. I think it's also something in the way that they're choosing to do, like, the sound and the filmmaking I think it's that, you know, they want to be more dramatic, but they seem to can't give the proper weight to, they can't give the proper weight to the dramatic storylines. It feels like a comedy writer trying to figure out how to write drama. Low key, yeah. Low key, that's what it feels like. Like somebody who's written comedy all their life and has never had a drama sample ever, and now they have to try to figure out how to do it. Um, and what the and how those beats are and what they feel like. And it also feels like no one and and actually, you know what? It it the season eight problems also feel like the problems that were also happening in the game in the later seasons where mm-hmm. where the show flipped into a drama and nobody told the actors. 
Oh, yes. Absolutely, yes. So let's talk about a, season eight. Yeah. It's 13 episodes. It's their shortest season because all the other seasons before had been 22 episodes. They knew they were floundering, and I think they got those season seven numbers back, and they realized they had it, it was a huge mistake um, doing the Tony character the way that they did. Um, season eight, Joan and Aaron are living together. They're engaged. But he gets... Um, he gets a uh, call telling him that he's going to be, he's going to be doing another tour of Iraq, right? Mm-hmm. So she tries to run away with him to Mexico, but then they realize that going AWOL is not going to solve any of their problems. And he decides, well, they both decide that they want to get married before he leaves. Right. Yeah. Um... Yeah, that goes about as well as you would expect. It's... Yeah. The wedding does not come through because Joan really does want her dream wedding. And she's not budging on this. Right. She does not want a quickie wedding. She does not want a fix-it wedding. She does not want a band-aid wedding. She does not want a make-the-time-go-by-faster while you're overseas wedding. She wants a wedding wedding. And she's trusting that he's going to come home healthy and fine and they're going to have her dream wedding um meanwhile lynn's music career is just going up and it's up and it's up and it's up um this season maya deals with a miscarriage um and um also this season um i believe isn't monica pregnant yeah yeah monica's pregnant um, Joan and Monica do become friends. I'm using that loosely, but she, she comes to understand Maya. Um, and I mean, she comes to understand Monica and they do become something, they do be- have something of a friendship. The only good thing about this will, this, uh, Lynn is a singer thing is that, you know, in previous seasons when she was a poet, we got to meet, we got to see Saul Williams and Common on the show. And uh, this uh, season, we we see Big Boy from Outkast. We see Chrisette Michelle, who was, you know, in the early stages of her music career. So we got to see some real musicians. Thanks Pre- for that. Pre-cancellation. Girl, why was she the only person to get canceled, though, is what I'm asking. <laughs> a lot of people that I could cancel. Why was, why was that her? Oh, Uncancel Chrisette Michelle. She made a mistake. She she's made a mistake. Uncancel her. She's that sorry. Was <laughs> yeah, she's sorry. She made a mistake. Uncancel her post haste. Um, um, uh, Aaron, by the way, was a teacher. He has students, right? And um, and like this, this whole the, the even the season ender didn't wasn't really an ender. Like Aaron's still not home. Um, it's uh you know Joan is trying to send a uh, uh bring a letter to his former students. Uh, Lynn um Lynn is trying to get out of her record deal, and William, I'm not sure why it's William instead of Darnell, but William tries to teach Jabari how to drive like random stuff that have nothing to do with wrapping up the season and wrapping up anybody's storyline. Yeah. And all I can say to that is that like, I think they probably didn't think they were going to get canceled. They were because the literally the last episode feels like 
any typical mid-season episode. Um, there's nothing about it that has any sort of wrapped-up quality to it. So I assume they got canceled unexpectedly. Yeah. So the new they knew the cancellation was coming, but Mar, Brock, Akil was hopeful that they would get picked up by another network. And that's why that happened. Mm. Like, kind of like, you know, when Misha Green, um, when Underground was canceled and she was trying to shop it around... Um, it's it's that same thing. They're like, okay, it's gonna get picked up. It's gonna get picked up. It's gonna get picked up. Apparently, this only worked for Nashville, <laughs> which did get picked up. Um, but they're like, no, we're gonna get picked up. We're gonna get picked up. We're gonna get picked up. And um, I think a lot of the fans wanted that too because we wanted, if nothing else, to see Joan's wedding or to see a real reconciliation between Joan and Tony. To see Tony one more time because fans really missed her. Like, fans miss Tony more than people on the show miss Tony. So I do know that they... I know Mara brock Akil for a really long time because it was canceled so suddenly. And I think it was canceled... The reason why it was canceled is because it was in... It was also during, like, the writer's strike. So mm-hmm. it just ended. Um, I know that for a really long time, Mara brock Akil want had a movie that she tried to get made to finish everything off and it never came to be. Mm. Um and I know I think even now still there's like hopes of like a revival or like a movie, but it just never happened. Um I don't know. Like, I would be into, like, a short movie, like, revival. Right. Um, Honestly, if we're going to do a revival, as much as I love the current cast, give us a new cast. No, like, no, because that's the only way I'd want to watch her. I, that's, I mean, that's what a revival is. It's like, I would, I would only want to see, like, I wouldn't mind a show about all four of the women, like, 20 years post the 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 last episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Like that could be interesting to me. That could be a look. But I'd only want it like I'd want a movie. I'd only want one. I don't want like them to do a bunch of episodes ever again. I just, you know, wrap up the show. Let me figure out where everybody is and then then it's over you know give us a feature like sensei do a little two-hour wrap-up movie (laughs) yeah give us a little serenity a little sense eight action but um season eight to me is is basic again yeah i'm gonna give it a basic not a basic minus like the previous season like it's slightly better but it's it's basic sorry about it you guys it is basic final Final thoughts the show was a look it was a vibe. It could have been it could have been bigger than what it was. And I wish that um the Tony character would have been treated better. And I wish that the William character would have remained just a friend or or would have been gay, honestly. Um, I would have been cool with a William that was giving me like Will energy from Will and Grace, except he's not the main character, he's a supporting character. Wasn't he already doing that, though? Like, I mean, I guess just not. 
Apparently, they only know how to honor men and women's relationships on TV if somebody's gay. I don't know. Because if like, he's not gay, then he got to date everybody, which we did not want. Which you did not want. Listen, the, the William Joan mistake was a tragic mistake. But other than that, I liked the William character. And I liked that he was straight because I liked that it ultimately stood on this idea that men and women can just be friends before if we take out the William and Joan thing, which is terrible. Like, and the and, William and Lynn thing. Oh, well like the William and Lynn thing wasn't that bad. Cause it was like, I thought that was fun and funny. Cause they were always just friends with benefits and they were truly just friends with benefits. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess I, I, I can see that. I can, I can understand that point of view. Yeah. I think the, the Joan and William just left a really bad taste in my mouth. No. Yeah. That was horrible and tragic. But other than that, I was like, I really liked that it showed that men and women can really just be friends. And I liked that he was, like, a man and masculine, but, like, and I liked the way that he was, like, funny. He was, like, Mm -hmm. funny in a way that I think is not seen a lot by straight black men on TV. Yes. Um, Which is which I really loved and and thought was great. Um, Shout out to the actor. I hope wherever he is right now, he's uh, doing okay. Cause I know he went through a really hard time after the show. He couldn't get hired and he got really, really, really depressed and, and stuff. So I hope he's doing well now. Um, Reggie Hayes is a great actor. You guys just hire him. Hire him. He's great. He, he has a really great quality of about him um and there's that the show had its faults it had a lot of like listen there's a lot of i think the show is definitely like a time capsule it was a moment in time um and just like sex in the city to me is like a moment in time and that's where it belong and it belongs in that specific time period. I feel the same way about girlfriends. This was a moment in time and it belongs specifically in this time period because there are like a lot a lot of problems with the show in terms of there was a lot of really casual sexism in those first couple of seasons. There was a lot of casual colorism. Um there was a lot of queer phobia. And that was never addressed or used to, like, further the characters or further the story in a way that was, like, meaningful. Um, They just sort of threw it out there. And uh, it could have been handled better. And that's the only thing that I would definitely like with a revival would be to see all of those issues handled much better. Same. Same, same, same. have it folks this is everything that made girlfriends good bad basic and unforgettable if you'd like to check out the series girlfriends is currently streaming on netflix if you've enjoyed this episode of the good the bad the basic be sure to share it with your friends and with that we officially wrap up the strong female lead season of the good the bad the basic 
Thank you for listening in and joining us for season 10 as we discussed the drama, the romance, the families, the hopes, and the dreams of all of these compelling women characters. We truly hope that you've enjoyed season 10 of GBB as much as we have. Em and I will be returning next week with season 11 of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, Spies and Lies. This next season, we'll be diving into the world of espionage and subterfuge. And to kick things off, we'll be discussing the hit period spy thriller, The Americans. The Americans is currently streaming on Amazon Prime, so go check it out. You don't want to miss out on this conversation. The Good, The Bad, The Basic is currently streaming on all podcast platforms, so be sure to tune into our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic, where all of our weekly episodes debut. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron over on Patreon. You can find us over at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time. Bye, everyone.